From Orms, this is Orms Air, where we unpack and investigate the compelling questions at the forefront of our creative community's consciousness. Joined by the artists, photographers, and creators brave enough to step up to the mic and join us in discussion. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Orms Air, the Orms podcast. You may know this next guest from her blog, ebook, or simply her dreamlike Instagram presence. We are so excited to share the conversation we had with fashion breed founder Akila Haran Ali. Join us as we talk about the importance of sharing knowledge, the building of the fashion breed empire, and get some great tips and tricks for hacking our wardrobes. So, Akila, um, I think the first question we need to ask you um, is how did how did the name Fashion Breed come into being? Okay, so this comes from the mind of a 20-year-old, you must remember <laughs> that, because I started my blog in 2010. Yeah. Um, and basically, I just wanted to create content that had everything and anything to do with fashion, mm-hmm. and I quite literally wanted it to spread, and I wanted it to breed, and that's literally how it came about simple and it just kind of stuck that's perfect then (laughs) thank you (laughs) mind of a 20 year old we'd sort of we'd love Mm -hmm. to hear about your creative beginnings um and where you sort of first discovered um photography or creativity and sort of like the Mm -hmm. the love and passion for fashion that you have so basically uh in 2019 when i started everything Mm -hmm. i was finishing up my degree in Film, media, and drama. And part of my media module was to do six months of um, a photojournalism course, and that's sort of where I got into photography. Okay, at the yeah. same time, when I was looking at the type of media that they were educating us on, it was very political-driven. It was very, like, hardcore journalism. And I'm a creative at heart. And mm-hmm. because I also did drama, that I knew how important that creative side is to me. Yeah. So I didn't want to go into... Uh, you know, hard eating journalism. I wanted to go into fashion media. Yeah. So the plan for me was after I graduated, I thought, okay, I'm going to try my hand at getting an internship somewhere, mm-hmm. work my way up and hopefully end up as a fashion editor one day or as an overall magazine editor one day. At the same time, a new digital was taking off. It was probably very slow here in South Africa at the yeah. time. There's a lot bigger overseas, um, you know, digital fashion media. Um, in the form of blogging and all of those things. Um, but I never ever expected it to grow into what it did today. Yeah. In my mind, I was still going to go and be a fashion editor. <laughs> um, basically, the year after that, I think it was, that's when I did my internship at Marie Claire Magazine, mm-hmm. um, which was amazing because I learned so much. I worked on the most amazing epic shoot. I learned from photographers, from stylists, from models. And mm. funny thing is that now I have to kind of do and be all of those things. Yeah. Um, so that was like a really amazing six months of lessons and lots of hard work because a lot of people think this whole industry is very glamorous, but yeah. it's not. Um, <laughs> Behind the closed doors. So, yeah. And then after that, um, there were no openings at Associated Press at the time mm-hmm. for a while and I kept trying and applying, but there was just nothing opening up. So I... Um, 
I basically, not long after my internship, I think maybe Mm -hmm. six months or so later, I joined the airline and I was just there for one year. I was with Qatar Airways and I basically traveled the world for a year. Amazing. And while I was there, I obviously took my camera with me. I got very into my blogging and people were really enjoying the travel aspect. They were loving these photo diaries that I was doing and they were loving seeing outfits especially. Um, and because I knew people were loving it, especially back home, mm-hmm. I would get extra dressed up on my like twenty-four hour layover. So I'd work a shift, yeah, get super dressed up when I land, and just go on mission and make friends with a new crew. Because I mean, it's over eight thousand new crew, yeah, um, and and they keep hiding people, so you're always working with strangers, mm-hmm. and just mission in these cities. And I would shoot photo diaries, I would shoot outfits, and. It just really gained traction. And when I came home, everything started gaining traction even more. And, you know, blogging was really big at the time. And then Instagram came around and really blew up sort of 2014, 2015. And then by 2015, I could quit my day job because by then I'd also moved back home. Yeah. Um, yeah, There's just, there's so much. (laughs) It's a very long 10 years. A lot of things happen. But yeah, basically until today, and I'm, Sometimes I'm in front of a camera, sometimes I'm behind it. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of my creative direction. And it's just really awesome to see how something that I love, seeing photography Mm. um, and fashion, how it just merged and evolved into something that I never, ever expected. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So 2015 was sort of like your your pinnacle, I want to say. Well, maybe not pinnacle Mm -hmm. is probably the wrong word. So maybe... (laughs) Yeah, like basically five years later. Yeah. In 2014, I had the odd paid job here. And yeah. there were only some brands. And you could tell they had like a really strong standing with the global team. So they knew what the forecast was yeah. headed, um, like the directions was headed into. So basically, um, when 2015 hit, it was as if everyone had planned the year before. You know what? Yeah. This is the year we are using bloggers. We are using influencers, you know, I think I'd only just heard that word more or less around yeah. that time. And I kind of still didn't believe it, you know. I was mm. working as a copywriter at this time and my job was secure and I was I'm not going to leave. And I'd also just gotten married maybe less than a year before mm-hmm. that. And I thought, I'm not going to leave. I've got more adult responsibilities now. <laughs> but then every month just went by and I mm. just kept making more money than my salary. Okay, no, it's this thing staying like every month it felt like a fluke, yeah, you know. And I kept freelance writing, um, for other people as well on the side, and then mm-hmm. afterwards I thought, okay, no, saved up quite a bit. I've got this constant freelancing gigs. I, I find that I'm having these clients come back to me, yeah, every two or so months, and they're very happy. And we built this relationship, um, and at the same time. While I was working, I managed to do a makeup course. And I said, you know what? Worst case scenario, I know makeup artists do, and I love doing makeup as well. I don't do it anymore. But I thought, you know, worst case scenario, this will just kind of be my filler and Mm -hmm. I will make up the rest of the money doing makeup. And I actually did do that a little bit here and there in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But still the bulk of my earnings came from working with brands from 2015 onwards. And it's been five years later and it hasn't. So that's very exciting and very lucky to be able to do that. And 
to have built a, a reputation also mm-hmm. now where I'm very much trusted to do really cool projects, work with really cool brands, yeah. long-term things, been able to travel quite a bit. Um, yeah, it's been amazing. Hard work, but amazing. Yeah, I was going to say, it's it's very, I think a lot of the time we sort of look at um, careers like yours and we sort of, we, we almost gloss over all of the hard work that actually mm-hmm. went into it. But it does, it sounds like yeah. an intense amount of work. Yeah, It is, because you know what? I think sometimes brands also struggle to understand this where they'll mm-hmm. think, you know, why is that the budget? Yeah, You're not necessarily paying for the five minutes that it maybe even took me to shoot that thing or the 20 minutes or the three hours. You're actually paying for all the years. Exactly. That I didn't get paid. You're paying for all those lessons mm-hmm. and all of that experience that comes with it because there's a reason you came to me. Yeah. You know, because I've got that experience and it's showing. It's, yeah, I think that's something that a lot of, sorry, that a lot of clients and freelancers, creatives should just take into account and, you know, not sell themselves mm-hmm. short. Yeah, but exactly. And it's also, um, you were saying when you, when you worked um, with the airline, the idea of sort of making mm-hmm. friends with this new group of people, I can imagine that almost became every second time. nature. <laughs> yeah, every time, which um, yeah. as somebody who's every a little time. bit more introverted sounds terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can imagine... I'm more introverted now. Oh, really? Now that I'm older. But yeah. back in the day, oh my gosh, I was a social butterfly. I speak to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been chatty Cathy. <laughs> well, it's a, I mean, it's it's also great within the industry that you work in, because when we're speaking yeah. about sort of that idea of um, you, you're being you're being paid to do this work, but you're also being paid for the amount of experience you have. But, and you're also on top of that being paid yeah. for all of the connections that you have and the people that you, you know, you can yeah. seamlessly work with and call on to be a part of a project Definitely, that yeah. nobody else would be able to access. Yeah, there's also yeah. all the organic content in between. Mm-hmm. So wherever they sponsored posts, mm-hmm. there's a lot of organic unpaid work that goes in between that that has to keep the platforms alive. Yeah, And so, you know, you don't get paid for that and you're sharing all this valuable insights because my whole idea and philosophy mm-hmm. is you need to be adding value to your audience. Whether you are yeah. making them laugh, whether you're teaching them something or just some form of entertainment, you have to provide that value, especially on yeah. social media when you want to grow. Yeah. Um, and again, this is advice that I would give any creative if you're trying to grow your social media platform is to add value. Mm-hmm. So you've, anyways, essentially you're giving away all the free information. So that's why when the time comes to charge, you've got to lay down the law, you yeah. know, because <laughs> you can't sell yourself to it because there's so much other work that you've been doing. Yeah, completely. That hasn't been paid. Completely. Yeah. And the, it's an interesting. It's interesting that you, um, when we spoke about it a little bit earlier, um, in two thousand fifteen, we sort of we sort of referenced that um, the understanding um, of the power and the reach of bloggers and content creators or influencers mm-hmm. um, had on the rest of the world finally came to South to South Africa. Do you think that there were any sort of mm-hmm. like what like what what allowed that to happen in your opinion? I think they could kind of see the global the global forecast mm. of things because I remember when I started my blog in 2010, mm-hmm. um, the first blog that I saw that was super high quality, super high fashion, this girl was working with brands, she was traveling the world, she was the face of huge campaigns in America, her name yeah. was Lumi Neely. 
Yeah. And uh, I became obsessed with Rumi because I just loved her style. The photography was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Her sight was just so clean and chic. And she was working with brands then already. There were yeah. a lot of them. There was also this website called uh, lookbook.nu. I don't even know if it's still around, oh, but I loved, um, I'm sure it actually is. loved Lookbook. Oh, so you know Lookbook? Yeah. Yeah, so Lookbook basically was this very exclusive website. You had to be invited to mm-hmm. join, but there were so many Europeans and Americans on there. They used that to grow the platform. It was essentially Instagram mm-hmm. with the algorithm and everything, but just for fashion. And the photography and everything was super competitive on there. You know, there mm. were people who basically just sat at their computers the whole time and, you know, uploaded looks all the time. And um, that really spread that whole, that whole culture mm-hmm. overseas and, Brands all cottoned onto that. And another thing that contributed to that growth was the growth of e-commerce. Because, yeah. you know, magazines can put something, you know, a clothing item in their magazine. Yeah. And people will have to go out to the shops physically and go yeah. and buy it and remember what they saw. Take their magazine with them. Yeah. Whereas you would have these real girls and boys who, you know, look sometimes like you and I, sometimes mm-hmm. not. Um, and they are wearing this product in a real authentic way, mm-hmm. and you can go out and you sorry instead of going out, you just actually click the link and you can yeah. shop it and it arrives at your door. It's very convenient. So the tie between the growth of e-commerce and just all things digital and um, aspiring to more real people, the girl next door, yeah. um, as opposed to a model and everything very high fashion, those two went very much hand in hand Mm -hmm. and um, e-commerce only really started to take off here maybe two years after that, Mm -hmm. after 20 years, because I actually remember going to Zando's launch in 2012, just before I became a flight attendant. Yeah. So I went to Zando's launch and I remember it still took a while even for that um, website to, Mm -hmm. to gain traction and for people to, yeah, cotton on to, buying online because people still thought you know you're gonna put my, my details into the internet and they're gonna sell online so yeah. yeah i mean i think i think everything happening with covid now is also really what kind of finally pushed mm-hmm. south africans a lot more into that online space because yeah. i think a lot of people were not hated that way no, so, not at all. Yeah. you know they still prefer to go to a mall something like that mm-hmm. to make things a, a whole lot easier um, yeah, so those two definitely went hand in hand. Mm. And I love that. I think it is. It's that. It's it's that. Um, like a customer, whether in, if a product is tangible and they're holding it, they trust it. But like you mm-hmm. said, you're putting mm-hmm. your your details into the internet, and someone's just going to blindly steal all of your. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's it's a scary space, and yeah. I think uh, still for a lot of the older generation, it is still very untrustworthy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I had to buy my domain because I was still a student. Yeah. <laughs> I had to go to my dad and be like, can I please use your credit card <laughs> to buy? Um, that time it was fashionv.org because mm-hmm. that was my first website and it was hosted by blogs. I said, did I need to buy this on my website? I said, fashionv.org. My dad said, you need a website. You are, how old was I? 20 years old. Yeah. And how do I know they're not going to take my, my details? I said, dad. Google does not need your ten dollars. Can you just relax? <laughs> <laughs> you know? So um, yeah, eventually gave in to me, and then I got my domain. Yeah. Like, he was very skeptic. He was not impressed with me needing yeah. to be caught details on the internet. <laughs> 
I don't know what it is. I think it, it's almost like this this faceless being out there, mm-hmm. you know. And I suppose no, that is of kind of a scary space. But it's 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 yeah, great that we're all coming along and sort of becoming more comfortable with things. Yeah, know? definitely. Um, so obviously we can't have a conversation with you without talking about fashion just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and we wanted to find out where where you go for inspiration when you're putting together a look. Um, I'm inspired by a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I'm inspired by, you know, just the general trends mm-hmm. that go around right now and, you know, whatever is trending online and whatever's cool, if I, if I like it, if I don't. Um, but aside from that, mm-hmm. because I'm a modest dresser, one of the things that inspires me are actually problems. Okay. So when you are, especially me being tall and I'm, I'm quite curvy and I don't want things necessarily to cling to all these different parts of my body because yeah. I prefer to be more modestly covered you kind of find ways to get creative you're mm-hmm. forced to find ways to get creative because you know even something that would normally be a midi skirt on somebody that's going to fit me by my knee mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. so you know there was a lot of a lot of time I had things custom made or you know just be forced to creatively layer and cover and then it actually works as a really cool look mm-hmm. so yeah, those issues sometimes just inspire me to come up with new things. But I also, at the moment, I'm I'm very much aware of my consumption. So I think mm-hmm. that's the future, and we all have to be responsible. And I, you know, take full accountability and responsibility for my the part that I play in that. So I'm always yeah. encouraging people also to to re-wear your things and find new ways to wear things and, yeah. you know, buy less and actually choose well because that's exactly what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and rather find new ways to style those things as opposed to going out and buying things all the time, which I'd rather women still do for people. Actually. Yeah, completely. Almost like down with fast fashion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there is such a, uh, and I, I feel like I, I experienced this within, I mean, my reality and my sort of friend circle a lot of the hesitation is, mm-hmm. you know, like investing in an item of clothing. Like, yes, it takes a little bit more mm-hmm. time and yes, it is more money. But at the mm-hmm. end of the day, you can wear that that one item for seasons to come. Whereas, and I'm not going to name Definitely. names, but if you just drop, you know, a small amount of money on fast fashion that is very seasonal based, mm. you're going to throw it away or give it away within a season because it's not yeah. going to be, yeah. It's such a sage yeah. piece of I mean, advice. I sell, mm. I, yeah, definitely. I sell a lot of my clothing because I obviously get a lot of PR gifts or, yeah. you know, something is just getting all weird hair or whatever. I just always end up having a closet that's overflowing. That's not even really from me buying. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, oh, I just sometimes feel like, you know what, I don't need this. I haven't worn it. But yeah. anyways, the things that always get left behind are the pieces that I've kept for a really long time. Mm-hmm. I've got, for example, I've got a leather jacket that I bought on a market mm-hmm. um, for literally 80 rand. And so today people ask me where I got it and I got it in maybe 2010. So I definitely have it for about 10 years. That's amazing. It's like in my very first blog post. Yeah. yeah. So that's just one example. I have a faux fur coat that I bought from a vintage store in London, mm-hmm. I think eight years ago. I've got dresses that, you know, I've worn so many times. You've seen it on my social media so many times mm-hmm. because it just works and maybe covers everything. It's just yeah. really beautiful. And 
And I think that one of the ways that people can also push it because it's in a wardrobe to be more sustainable is just if you are going to buy that statement piece, then don't be precious about your clothes. Yeah. Wear that fabulous, ridiculous, over-the-top thing to lunch with your friends. Exactly. Don't be shy. Have fun. But then, you know, that's how you, you get the way out of it. And yeah. that's how you will stop buying, you know, silly things. Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, so there are, there's a lot of things in my closet that I've prepared for. It's, it's almost like it's either been there for a year or it's mm-hmm. been there for 10 years. There's nothing in between. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Um, you sort of, you touched on... Um, you mentioned it earlier, modest fashion. And I wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. um, as a as a content creator and a stylist in this particular sort of field mm-hmm. of fashion, how do you define modest fashion yeah. in your own personal capacity? I love that you're asking this question because there's always so much debate around it. Yeah. You know, especially in the Muslim community because like I don't wear a scarf and you know, some people say, Oh, you can't call yourself that but then you have Christian women and you have Jewish women mm-hmm. and you have Mormon women and just people who just want to be conservative yeah. for themselves. Um, so for me, modest fashion is actually just all about uh, intention mm-hmm. and, you know, dressing with that intention to cover more. So mm. some modest women, for them, they might wear, if I use Muslim women as an example, the clothing might be a little bit more tight and skimpy even for my comfort, but then yeah. they'll wear the headscarf, whereas I won't. So for me, it's a matter of if you say you're a modest dresser mm-hmm. and that's your intention, then you are one. You know when you when you are one and when yeah. you are. So I'm not going to say, oh, that's not modest enough. It's just that I have my standards. The next person has their standards. I mean, some Christian women, because especially on my YouTube channel, we talk yeah. about modest fashion quite often. Um, you know, so the comment section sometimes will have the Christian women who will say, you know what? Um, yeah, for me, I consider myself a modest dresser, but knee length is fine for me. So I'll show from the calf down and, you know, that's totally their prerogative. So, yeah. yeah, I think it's just a really personal choice. I love that. I just like to kind of equip women with yeah. ideas and say, this mm-hmm. is how I do it. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, a really cool hack if you want to layer, if you want to do this, or you want to do that. Um, you know, try this fabric, go for lots of dresses because they just cover everything. Yeah. yeah, that's sort of my whole thing. Let me just help you the way that I would do it, mm. basically. And did you, um, when you were first sort of discovering your your understanding or your relation to and with modest fashion, did you have somebody who was sort of guiding you through that process? No, I didn't. Mm. That's what made it a bit difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that it was difficult because, like I said, it forced me to yeah. be creative, to custom make really beautiful things that I've still got in my closet now. Yeah, I actually think that it helped establish my brand a lot more, mm. especially locally, because, you know, in Cape Town, in Johannesburg, especially those two cities, that's where the majority of my audience are. There are a lot of mm-hmm. Muslim women who are very modern and they're not necessarily all into the sexier, more risque image. I mean, you do get yeah. some Muslim women who are a lot more liberal with the way that they dress. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they relate to me on a good level where we're all kind of like in this in-between, covered but not fully covered yeah. sort of stage in our lives. And um, I think that a lot of women relate to that, especially when I started sh- sharing styling tips around that. Um and yeah, you know, people want to people wanna see someone like themselves reflected back to them in the media. And I oh, think totally. when I started to more, take on that role, take on that stage in my life a lot more seriously, mm. it's also 
when my relationship with a lot of my audience members grew and it deepened. Yeah. But that is, I mean, it, as as somebody, um, as a consumer, I'll, I'll, I'll label myself mm-hmm. with that word, um, that is exactly what you mm-hmm. want. You want somebody who yeah. can guide you and who's almost been through those struggles. Yeah, yeah I, and I remember actually thinking, I started this series on my YouTube channel and I called it Cover Girl because, you know, we cover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, love a good pun. Um, so... It was about covering up, but it was a cover goal. Mm-hmm. Means, you know, cover goal is associated, that whole concept, those two words together, it's associated with being out there and being confident mm-hmm. and being bold and being represented. Yeah. I started the series and I literally said in the beginning, you know, it's aimed at the girls who aren't quite in the hijab, but don't mm-hmm. like to show their bodies either. I'm just trying this thing. And it initially was aimed at Muslim women, but mm-hmm. then it gained traction from Jewish women and Christian women from all around the world. Mm-hmm. And now the YouTube audience has like this massive Northern Hemisphere chunk of <laughs> women. And, um, you know, we just have this really cool community online. Mm. And, um, yeah, we just connect over the thing. And sometimes it gets debatable, you know, people get all heated because there is the aspect of religion in me. But at the end yeah. of the day, we do all have this thing in common. And I'm so grateful that I was able to do this because I always get these messages saying, you know what, this is exactly what I needed. Mm. Because typically whenever you would type modest fashion online and you Mm. wanted tips, it would only be for women in hijab, nothing else. There was no no in-between. So I was filling this in-between niche gap Mm -hmm. in the market, basically. Yeah, completely. Um, and only now, I think I started doing that maybe three years ago, and only now that gap is also starting to be filled a bit more on mm. YouTube, but it's still not even by Muslim women. It's a lot of Christian women, so mm. it's, and it's not necessarily with a high fashion edge. Yeah. It's very much, you know, your simple, basic, I'm going to style this top with this maxi skirt. You know, mm-hmm. there's no thinking out the box or fun layering or yeah. um, say, incorporating current trends yeah. modestly. There's none of that. Um, yeah, so it's been really interesting to see what that has brought for my brand mm. and for myself, actually. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break and hydrate, but while we do that, you can help us make our creative community bigger by spreading the word and sharing Orm's air with your community. We'd love to have you join the discussion and make your voice heard by DMing, inboxing, tweeting, emailing, or even carrier pigeoning your most burning creative thoughts, questions, and wonderings. Go on. You know you want to. Now we're talking, we're sort of talking about, um, about that idea of like creating a wardrobe for oneself and playing with clothing, Mm -hmm. which I love, um, and I mm-hmm. wanted to see, and we've sort of touched on your your leather jacket and your fur fur mm-hmm. coats. But is there sort of like one mm-hmm. one item that you firmly believe every woman should have in her closet? Oh, it's, we've already spoken about it. It's the, definitely the leather jacket. I've got yes. a few. Yeah, the one I was talking about earlier. It's more like an eighties mm-hmm. style. Yeah, it's got these puffy, big shoulders, but uh, a more slim line. Mm-hmm. Classic black leather jacket, mm. sort of a biker style. Everyone needs one of those. Yeah, you can throw it over evening wear even if you need to. I do that. <laughs> yeah, but um, it goes with everything. 
literally put it over anything and you instantly look cooler and everything makes sense. Yeah, I was going to say it. It's it adds not that even a edge. second thought. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. So and leather have, is getting so expensive. It so is. You can pass eh? it on to your kids someday. I have one that was my dad from when he was a teenager. So it's very lost. But there you go, all of our listeners, like this is this is what we were, we were sort of touching on earlier, that idea of investing mm-hmm. in pieces. And if you invest in yeah. a, like a really, really well-made leather jacket, it's not only going to serve you, it could potentially yeah. serve your kids or your n- nieces and nephews or whomever you'd like to pass it down to. Mm-hmm. So then also it becomes like an yeah. emotional sort of family heirloom in the same way. Definitely. Mm. Yeah, Definitely. Um, so do you have any advice um, for those who are looking to create like a strong sort of sense of individuality and like personal style? Yes, for sure. You know, you should really, Pinterest is your best friend. Mm-hmm. Look at the things that you are attracted to visually. Mm-hmm. And then with everything that you have in your closet, look at what you are attracted to the most there. Because, mm. I mean, it's easy to go and buy these superfluous, over-the-top pieces or, you know, that sequined thing. And don't get me wrong, I love a good sequence moment. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, all these things that aren't necessarily practical for every day. Mm-hmm. And, um, but then you still go and you gravitate towards that thing that makes you feel comfortable, that foolproof, you know, get more of that. Yeah. Be realistic. Um, and then, you know, you can always jazz up your look and take make it more current. By adding, uh, you know, accessories and scarves and yeah. shoes, for example, to give it that edge that mm-hmm. makes you a lot more stylish and gives it more that personal interpretation. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, make a mood board on Pinterest. Look at the things you, you, you love. Look at the things that you find yourself attracted to in your current closet mm-hmm. and then kind of mix them together. Mm-hmm. And also... Have standards when you go shopping. Mm-hmm. You know, say I'm not going to spend over this amount, and don't actually settle because what I find, and this isn't just with clothing. This is even I'm finding it with interiors when I'm buying things for my home as well. Yeah. Um, buy the thing that you want. Mm. Not I don't necessarily mean now. You know that yeah. super hectic designer handbag that's going to cost you however many salaries. <laughs> I mean. You know, if you want, um, let's use that leather jacket for example. Mm-hmm. There's this specific leather jacket that you want, and that is the one. Yeah. Don't go to the other shop and buy the one that is almost the one. Yeah. Rather save and keep your money until you can afford the one that you want, the mm-hmm. thing that you want, that you know you're always going to love, that you know you're going to wear. Instead of buying this cheaper option and you're always going to think to yourself, oh, I, I should have just the other one. taken that one yeah. because you know, I saved for another month or whatever. Um, you're always going to feel like that was the one that got away. Yeah. And you may even find you're so dissatisfied because, for example, maybe you're going by the flavor one mm-hmm. from some chain store and that either breaks and then you've got to go and get another one mm-hmm. or you just find that you actually don't love it that much. So you, then you do go and you get another one. You yeah. actually end up spending more exactly, and you don't have either piece for as long. So um, yeah, that's always very important for me with investment pieces. I mean, I've got so many, I've got boots for the last eight years and people compliment me on them. They stop me and they want to know, where did you get this? And it's just, 
ਸੋ ਉਹ ਕੋਈ ਕੁਝ ਜਮ ਕੇ ਸਾਥ ਕੇ ਆਉਂ ਤੇ ਸਿਸਟਮ ਨਾ ਸੋਸ਼ੀਅਲੀ So can we obviously you um you sort of you, we spoke about your community your online community a little bit earlier mm-hmm. um and I yeah. love that you I love that you you hold the standard of like you have to what was I can't remember exactly what you said but you have to engage or entertain them like you make yeah add value add value thank you that's exactly <laughs> it yeah yeah and that's bring something to their lives exactly I mean they and I suppose in turn um they're bringing something to your life by being a part of your mm-hmm, community definitely. and having this conversation with you um mm-hmm. so while we're talking about your online communities when and when you're creating content for to serve these online yeah. communities when and how do you do you decide because obviously you're across a lot of platforms or a few you have your instagram and your blog and mm-hmm. your youtube channel um but when do you decide which particular content or an or idea mm-hmm. is right for which platform so when i have an idea the idea might come from me or it might come from my audience mm-hmm. um i i just kind of know already what mm. performs well mm-hmm. in a particular space mm. so for example i know that hair and makeup if it is a video it's going to do much better on you uh, not on youtube sorry on instagram and yeah. igtv um audiences just tend to engage more, you know, they want to be able to tap into the brand um, handle if I'm using anything. Um, then when it comes to fashion, modest fashion specifically, obviously, mm-hmm. um, YouTube hands down yeah. because the content is also searchable mm. and it has a, a better chance of being found because it's so niche. Mm-hmm. So because YouTube has that searchable factor, and there's that niche element that content gets viewed a lot more when it's on YouTube. Yeah. Whereas you'll find, for example, hair and makeup, just all things beauty and skincare, very saturated everywhere. Yeah. So I can just put that on my IGTV and that is for my audience. It's not going to bring in a new audience. Mm. Um, yeah, and also because of that searchable quality mm-hmm. that YouTube has, I, um, I know it's going to bring in new audience members but also there's a strong subscriber base yeah. of modest dresses already so that that makes it quite easy for me mm. um and then i'm very into my long contemplative captions as well yeah. so something that i actually like to do is i'll i'll write something out on my instagram and and i try and keep my captions nice and long mm-hmm. and engaging and thoughtful and thought out Mm-hmm. Um but you may find that I actually repurpose and recycle some of my content for the different platforms. So I may yeah. use that as a script for YouTube or do an extended version for my blog because some people still want to read that longer piece or they come onto my blog for something else and then they find that article. Mm. So yeah, I think for a lot of content creators I think, you know, they're afraid to spread out to different platforms, but for me different platforms means multiple streams of income. Yeah. That means you know you can offer brands lot more so you can make more money yeah um and like i said you don't have to reinvent the wheel every single time you mm-hmm. can um repurpose your content because it's yours yeah exactly and it's not like you're taking it from anybody else yeah. so you can use it as a script use it as inspo mm-hmm. you can even do something 
this year, and if it's something you know evergreen planting that doesn't date, you can take that same thing a year or two from now and repurpose it yeah. on that same platform or on other platforms. So, yeah, because you must remember also if your audience grows mm-hmm. and as your audience grows, there are a lot of people who haven't seen what you've done before. Yeah. So, no, but I love that. And it, it sounds like you, you're really tapped into who you're speaking with and what what they yeah. want from you and what they're coming to you for. And also just smart. I mean, you're not... You're not, um, you know, I suppose, uh, spending like weeks and weeks and weeks on, I mean, that's that's very much an, an over-exaggeration on creating like one video for yeah. YouTube. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're yeah. creating smart. I mean, now even with, with COVID before, mm-hmm. in 2019, I would release a YouTube video every single week without fail. And, you know, when this year just came around, it just felt weird. Everything just felt yeah. weirdly almost inappropriate or I wouldn't say inappropriate in a really bad way but yeah. there was no reason to be teaching people how to dress when you were staying at home yeah. you know and the funny thing is is that I, I have um, I'm part of a multi-channel network so it's like I have a team of um, YouTube specialists and I manage a group of mm-hmm. YouTube creators around the country and I'm part of that um, collective and they monitor my analytics and you know so when I kind of went offline mm-hmm. for a while on YouTube I think like three four months they still came back and they said don't worry you've done so much evergreen content that you're still earning and you're still making money and there are people on our network that yeah. are you know releasing vlogs for example still three times a week during lockdown mm-hmm. and they're not even gaining that traction so it just shows when you add value yeah. and you do that evergreen content or practice or whatever it is you're doing, mm-hmm. if it's timeless and it's helping people, they're always going to come back to it. Yeah. So, yeah, and in the case of YouTube, you can still make money. Mm-hmm. You can still have, grow your audience. Which is amazing. I mean, I mean, I love that you, you yeah. touched on that, that, that searchable quality, because that is such a factor of mm-hmm. YouTube. And I think a lot of us... Are, it's the second most... Um, yeah. Uh, sorry, a lot of people don't know. It's the second most uh, used search engine after Google. Which is insane. Yeah, people don't go to Bing or Yahoo. Uh, no, they go to Google, YouTube. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I mean, like, and, and I think I think a lot of us use YouTube and we don't even, we don't even think about it. You know, we don't even yeah, actively do. put it in our minds that we're using this thing as a search engine, as it was intended to be used. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. So we're obviously, I mean, we're Orms, so we, we specialize in, in camera equipment. So we can't not mm-hmm. ask you about the gear that you use. Um, so I wanted to ask about okay. the gear that you use for shooting your YouTube videos and then also sort of about the editing software and process that goes yeah. into producing your your youtube content okay so mm-hmm. we've got a variation of things so it depends on the type of content we're doing okay. so if i'm doing a styling video at home mm-hmm. and this is the same camera that we will use to shoot you know outfits for instagram yeah so we use the canon 60 so i've actually had this for four years now okay great uh, my husband shoots all my content by the way he's like the best that's amazing. amazing. Um, yeah, so he shoots my content because obviously I can't take pictures of myself. Well, I mean, I could have 
it's really, really hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he's very talented. We groomed him nicely over the last year. <laughs> I'm kidding. He loves it. He really loves it. He gets really into it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Canon uh, 6D, mm-hmm. hoping to upgrade for the end of the year with a 24-70mm Tamron lens. And then we've also got a, you know, the good old nifty 50 50 yes. lens. That's really nice for beauty. And then the Tamron 24-70 is um, really great for fashion and mm-hmm. for YouTube because it's also got built-in stabilization. Yeah. Um, we bought all of this at Orms, of course. <laughs> and then... <laughs> For vlogging, we used the, um, well, we were for a really long time using the Canon G7X Mark II for mm. the last uh, three years. Um, so it's the most amazing vlog camera, but we've literally just upgraded in the last uh, month or so. We just got the Sony ZB-1, which is very exciting because... Um, the Sony ZB-1, it's the same size as the G7X Mark II, mm-hmm. which is what has always been one of my favorite things. Yeah. Um, but it's got built, incredible built-in audio. It was basically designed with content creators in mind. Mm-hmm. So the features on there, the amount of power they have packed into this tiny little camera will blow your mind. I'm still getting to know it. Um, yeah a bit insecure about it because I've never <laughs> been part of the, the Sony fam. Yeah. So we're getting to know it. I'm really excited to take it on a trip when the borders do eventually open mm-hmm. because, um, you know, that G7X Mark II was, you know, just like my right hand. Yeah. The nice thing about it was that it would always fit into a little fanny pack on my chest and whenever we were traveling, we'd just whip it out yeah. and shoot our content. So I'm really excited with the Sony. The quality is incredible. Anyway. Yeah. Um, then we've also got uh, a DJI Spark, oh, nice. little drone. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've had lots of drama with that one. <laughs> <laughs> we also want to upgrade that one. But um, yeah, so that's the main the main um, pieces that we're working with. Okay, and cool. then uh, in terms of software, I edit on Adobe Premiere Pro. Okay, nice. Yeah. Um, I've thought of changing to Final Cut. I've heard it's a bit simpler, but. I just don't know if I want to learn everything from scratch. Yeah. yeah, I'm quite comfortable with Premiere Pro. Mm. Um, It does take a bit of practice and learning, but I'm good at it now. Before we continue unpacking this topic, we would like to give a big thank you to Orms, without whom this wonderful podcast would not be possible. Orms is a cornerstone of the creative community in South Africa, offering industry-leading support, the latest gear, and world-class display options to photographers, artists, and visual creators, both locally and internationally. As always, you can find out everything you need to know by visiting ormsdirect.co.za. The link can also be found in the show notes for this episode. Now let's get back to the discussion. I wanted to ask you about your latest venture, which is so exciting. Um, And obviously we're talking about the Mm -hmm. shop fashion breed collection, um, which is, if Mm -hmm. our listeners do not know, it's um, a collection of digital products for empowering content creators to make better content, which is incredible. Um, And then especially your ebook, Booked, Busy and Verified. Well, sorry, Booked, Busy, Verified. 
I'm trying to punctuate yeah. the, the full stops in there. Um, <laughs> it's also dramatic effect. <laughs> yes, of course. And I'm trying to be as dramatic as I can be. <laughs> <laughs> no, you got it. You got it the second time. Okay, thanks. I believed you. <laughs> um, so when did you f- sort of first identify the need for this this platform and in turn this collection of products and particularly um, your ebook? Okay. So we started out, of course, uh, two years ago, exactly two years ago, we started out with our Lightroom presets because mm-hmm. people were always asking, how do you edit your photos? What app do you use? What filter mm. do you use? And to try and explain this was just such a mission and yeah. it was beyond using, you know, Visco Cam or Snapseed or whatever, all these other apps. Yeah. And so... Um, we wanted to make it accessible because a lot of people wanted to know how do I get the same look that you've got going on. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, we developed three set packs and they did really, really well. Mm. We're still buying them, which is really amazing. Um, even when we don't advertise it, you know, sometimes I get really bad with that and people still come on the store and they still come and buy it. And it's been a really cool, you know, passive um, income on the side yeah. because, you are inadvertently advertising it every day when you're posting yeah. on Instagram because you're using your own product. So that was um, something we did two years ago. And then we launched a second e, uh, second preset pack last year. Mm-hmm. And then in this year, of course, the ebook came out. The ebook was something I've been working on for about a year and a half, two years as well. Yeah. Um, it's 91 pages. And I wanted it to be in digital form because I want people to be able to have it on their phone. So when you're out shooting or you're creating content or you wherever you are in the world, you can always just like look at your phone and you have all that information there to help you along. And there's a lot of clickable links in there as well. Mm-hmm. So that's why we didn't do hard copy. Also, I don't know what the deal is with publishers. So I just wanted it to be digital. Yeah. Also, it just makes sense to start to, to publish it where everything happens. Yeah, exactly. So, um, basically five years ago already, I was running blogging workshops mm-hmm. every couple of months. Sometimes I'd partner with brands to bring the blogging workshops, um, to aspiring bloggers, because mm-hmm. even though my following wasn't necessarily huge, it was considered huge at the time, mm-hmm. especially here in South Africa. Mm-hmm. So I would teach people the fundamentals of blogging and, you know, all these things we spoke about, like adding value and so on. And that was when blogging was huge and Instagram was still very new. Mm. And then I held off on the blogging for a while. I mean, so the blog workshop, because blogs started taking a backseat. Mm-hmm. Instagram morphed into this whole crazy thing that I myself was still trying to figure out. And yeah. it was YouTube and it's just so many things. And the rise of, you know, influencer marketing, it mm-hmm. was just a lot. So I took a break from that for a while and I kept a lot of the notes. Yeah. And then from that note, uh, from those notes, sorry, I started to write this book and I thought, you know what? The notes are only maybe 15 pages. So I thought, you know, I'm going to mm-hmm. expand on this now because now I feel like things are settling because I think that digital space has just morphed into this crazy like situation. Yeah. And I felt that I had quite a few key things that still managed to separate me from everyone else. Mm-hmm. Even on, I think I'm on 67.8 thousand followers. I'm not even sure, but somewhere around there. And wow. there are still people who have hundreds of thousands or yeah. a million followers more than I do. But I still know that what I'm putting out right now is way more timeless mm-hmm. and evergreen mm-hmm. than their content. Not that it's a competition, but <laughs> I just felt like I had um, 
have concepts that I can share to make somebody build themselves a solid personal brand and foundation Mm -hmm. that's going to last you, that's going to take you far. And it's not a it's not a get rich or get famous quickly scheme. Mm-hmm. It's a build your brand and be credible and have an audience that has your back. Yeah, kind of long term practice and goals. That's yeah. what the book is all about, and it and it implements all these timeless things. And that's why people think it's just for beginners. And there are a lot of beginner concepts in there for sure. If you want to start from scratch, you can get the book, but. It's got concepts in there that can, I feel some of the biggest influences in the world can take away from it because I can still see where they're going wrong and why influences as a result get this um, really bad reputation for being very superficial, very, um, you know, dishonest Mm -hmm. or, you know, it's related to a lot of, you know, um, risque content and mm. causing drama and doing things for clout. It's yeah. none of that. Mm. You don't have to do any yeah. of that, you know? And I, and I think it's really refreshing because it's the type of growth that growth answers, answers and, and ways and sorry, concepts mm. that'll give you that growth yeah. um, without having to go crazy. But I think what happens is it's very easy to put me in that same typical influence the bracket as everyone else and fair enough we're mm-hmm. working with the same brands doing similar campaigns but you can't um you can't build that credibility and that deeper relationship yeah. with your audience overnight it's not a oh she went viral yeah let me just you know how can i go viral and become famous like it's not about fame it's about branding yeah and when you build this trusted brand you can take that brand and then you can go and do whatever you want what you actually want. Yeah. You know, I just saw this video last night about this guy that's made international news even. He, he threw blue um, fabric dye in his girlfriend's bubble bath before she got. So he basically dyed her skin blue and then he made this video pranking her. And I thought to myself, my goodness, the things that people do yeah. now, you know, to get this attention and for branding. But... You know, maybe some people are going to laugh, but that's mm. kind of the end of it. You yeah, know? exactly. Does, does your audience care about you? If you're going to release a product, are they going to look at you and say, you know what, I trust this person mm-hmm. to sell me something awesome because you know what, they've been helping me all along for free. Yeah. I'm going to have their back today when they do this ad or when they drop this product of theirs. Yeah. And that's what's important because there's, a, there's like an end goal. There's a long-term game. Yeah, exactly. So that's what the book is about. It really drives a lot of these points home and it talks about, you know, quality over quantity, mm-hmm. solid foundations. And it gives, of course, a lot of photography and video um, filming and editing hacks. Mm-hmm. It shares um, paid software and apps and then it also gives you the free alternatives. So there's an extensive list of those and Link for people just starting out, you know, how to get the most out of your phone if mm. you don't want to use the camera just yet. And to all of our listeners, I will be sure to link both the ebook mm-hmm. um, and the entire collection in the show notes so you guys can go and check those out. Thank you. And buy them and invest in your creative future and invest in mm-hmm. the idea of adding value to a community that will serve you 
and you will serve for years to come. I love mm-hmm. that. I love this holistic approach that you've taken to it. And it's not about the numbers or the, I mean, sometimes it's about the an- analytics, obviously, um, because we're in a digital mm-hmm. space, but it's not solely about that. It's yeah. about creating and nurturing a community. That Where, sense of community yeah, is super important. Yeah, it really is. And I think it really it really resonates resonates with your with your followers at the same time because as a mm-hmm. i mean as a consumer myself i you know you can instantly tell when someone's being fake there's it's yeah. it's so easy to tell i wanted to ask you about the the title for the book where did you where did you come mm-hmm. up with it because we love it well i'm sure you've heard people say on instagram or on social media quite often booked and busy baby yeah you know? <laughs> yeah always, i'm booked and busy i'm booked and busy and even for me, when people say, well, when can I see you? What are you doing? I just say, I'm booked and busy, baby. But anyways, <laughs> um, on a serious note, I was always booked and busy. Yeah. Um, and I, like I said, it's these timeless concepts over being mm-hmm. somebody who's super famous and being someone who has really high numbers and mm-hmm. things like that. I think I work so hard on that base foundation that I'm always booked and busy. Um, even now during lockdown, I was still booked and busy. Mm. And then the verified part in why I added verified yeah. is because I think it's still fairly, not fairly easy, but once you've got the booked and busy done yeah. and down and dusted, the verified part comes in with being a trusted brand, a trusted digital brand, because mm-hmm. those are the people who generally get verified. I have friends who have way more followers than I do online. Yeah. And they'll say, why did you get the blue tick? I don't understand. I'm applying for my verification. I'm emailing Instagram. I'm doing all these things. So they're just not verifying me. And the rumor has is actually that, um, I mean, I could be wrong. It's, you know, Instagram is a big mystery for everyone. But yeah. I've heard this a few times that when they do decide to vary you, you know, when they do a Google search and, look into your brand Mm -hmm. there's a sense of credibility and if you google my name there are tons of you know media articles and interviews and collaborations and Mm -hmm. these tv features that are still on youtube and things like that so there's this whole well-rounded you know look that kind of looks very like an authority figure in my industry so um that's where the verified comes in because we want you to build that same solid foundation so it's not just about being booked and busy and on um we we noted that on an Instagram story um you you posted and created um in relation to the launch of your ebook there mm-hmm. was a line that you wrote um that says i don't hold back trade secrets ever what do you yeah. why do you believe this Definitely. why do you believe that this approach to sharing information is important and do you believe um that more content creators and influencers should be taking this route um, I mean, I think whatever somebody chooses to share, that's totally up to them. But yeah. I know a lot of people don't like to share their secrets. I know when mm-hmm. I've bought into courses or looked for things online, I always knew there's something that people are leaving out. Yeah. You know? So I don't like to hold back because quite simply just in my life, I believe in abundance. Yeah. I believe that we, um, we can all win. I think there is over enough absolutely everything on this whole entire planet. Yeah. I think um, we all have a space in the digital world. Mm-hmm. Whatever level you are on, whatever you are doing, 
Um, we all have our place and I believe in sharing. I think that when I share, I get the world coming back to me. Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's just good karma. I think I have over enough. Why should I not share with everyone else? And also if I help the space to grow, mm-hmm. I'm also going to grow. Yeah. The industry is just going to be solidified more and more. And it's going to be, um, yeah, it's just going to develop. It's going to yeah. get stronger. People are going to develop proper standards of how to work with creatives. Mm-hmm. It is really cool for me to also be a part of that. But yeah, I just, I don't like keeping secrets because there are so many people who go to the grave with great ideas mm-hmm. and great secrets. And somebody else could have used that and made the world better. Yeah, completely. So I genuinely don't hold back. That's also why it's 91 pages. It was only supposed to be 40 pages. And then <laughs> months later, I was still writing. <laughs> You know, I would have made it even longer if I could not. No, 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 no. Maybe I must do a part two or something. I was going to say. I can't put everything in here because it's just going to be an overload. Save so something more like, for I don't want to overload people because yeah. there's a lot to learn. Yeah. We can look into doing a part two. <laughs> I mean, that that sounds great. And I love this idea, this um, supporting one another, you know, even if it if it yeah. is just by sharing, by sharing how you got to the space in which you go, you are in. You know, because it doesn't attract from you yeah. at all. Not yeah. at all. Mm. I actually found the more I started sharing, I remember making this decision a couple of years ago because mm. I used to think the exact opposite way. Mm-hmm. I used to want to keep my secrets to myself, not be very helpful, like yeah. to think somebody's my competition. And I remember just three years ago, I just started, this is very exhausting. Mm-hmm. And I decided I'm going to test out thinking the exact opposite way, the exact opposite way. Yeah. So you know, newbie influencers or bloggers came to me that asked me information, like not information, but like tips or tricks. And, you know, those real secrets that nobody tells you that you yeah. kind of learn the hard way, you know, like working with brands, um, putting together a media kit, what you should, how you should structure your content, all of those things. Yeah. I decided I'm going to start giving away all of my secrets, all of them. And I just felt like I just attracted way more abundance into my life that yeah. year. I remember it so clearly. I was so much happier. I was more relieved. I didn't feel like I had to compete with anyone. And I booked so much work. It was insane. And I built amazing relationships and I networked amongst my peers, especially the newer ones. And it was awesome. No regrets. No, none whatsoever. Akila, um, thank you so much for, for joining us on this episode of Orms so It has been such a pleasure to have this conversation with you. And I so appreciate Thank you so much. And I know our listeners will so appreciate how honest and open and nurturing you've been with your sharing. It's been incredible. Thank you Thank so much. Thank you. I I appreciate that so much. And mm. it's been awesome joining you guys. It's been an honor. I've been an Orms girl for <laughs> many, many, many years. Always enjoy the service, always enjoy working with the team behind the scenes as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm only too happy to be here. 